0: This is the 5-1 Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast, but we got to take a second to wait on that one because we got to talk about the breaking news here. monk Elko staying at Duke, no, I'm not leaving, I'm going to stick around, just kidding, I'm on a midnight flight to College Station going to Texas a and <laughs> uh, and to uh, kind of break this all down, we have uh, Ben Berg coming on. For uh, Bull City coordinators, uh, you know, you've already been on the local Triangle uh, radio network here uh, in in Raleigh. First reactions, Ben, from when you kind of started hearing the rumors to, I don't know if you woke up this morning and saw the news that he was already in College Station, but kind of walked through the last basically 24 hours.
1: (laughs) Well, when I started first, thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. As you know, we've started getting in touch this year. I've been throwing your podcast into my normal routine now on my Wednesdays. And I love it. And it's been it's been a great listen and I really enjoy it. So I got to update my blog roll. I got to get you guys on there. But thanks for your work. I appreciate what you guys do. And thanks for having me on. So let me kind of tell you this story. All right. I'm forty two. That becomes important later in the story. Okay. So I'm, I'm online like six, seven o'clock last night. And I see, Hey, Elko A&M, something with stoops happened. There was like a palace coup, whatever. Okay. Mm fine I reach out to my good friend, Steve Weissman. And he says, you might want to, you know, be alarmed. You might, this could be real. I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pop open this bottle of wine. I was not going to drink tonight. I'm going to start drinking. right. (laughs) so i start hearing about like i can't remember exactly when but i but i start hearing he's not going to make a decision today it'll take like 24 hours there's a team meeting at 3 p.m okay so keep your powder dry okay so i go to bed and i get up in the morning because i'm 42 you guys know why you get up in the morning all right everybody's Mm -hmm, nodding mm -hmm, heads mm -hmm. it's about 3 30 and i say to myself don't look at your phone (laughs) <laughs> Don't look at phone. I look at my phone and Steve, again, great guy, messaged me to say about 30 minutes earlier to say he's gone. Okay. Mm. Didn't sleep great the rest of the night, but he leaves. And <clears throat> excuse me, you know, Adam Gold reached out and I got to be on his show today. That was fantastic. It was, it was a great time. I appreciate it. Here is kind of my thought on it is to Mike Elko. I'm just going to say, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, your time in Durham. I appreciate you all, all that you did. You made football fun for that class and the people that had been there undercut. were in a bad spot. I think we all would agree with that. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for the good, almost two seasons, but your legacy is not really great. People aren't really going to welcome you back. You didn't leave the school in a position where people are like, oh, God, Elko, Elko, Elko. There's a lot of people who are mad at, about what happened, and particularly the way that he left. Leaving under the cover a night like you're leaving the Saigon Embassy. And People have talked about it like the Baltimore Colts. All that is fair, but, but here is kind of what I go back to on Elko's legacy, and I think that this is where I've come down on it. Look at his roster of who's leaving at the end of the season, whose eligibility is used up, who doesn't have that super senior year anymore. It's going to take two to three years for a place like Duke to get back to where it is now. And I think Elko is a little worried about a backslide and he was not going to be a long-termer anyway, he's not like Clausen, I think he's thinking to himself, gosh, if I struggle these next two to three years, it's going to be harder for me to jump and get that next paycheck. So he's not, I think it's fair to say, he wasn't willing to put in the time, the work, and the effort to get it back up so that when he's in year five or year six, he can leave and go somewhere else. You know, if he'd left after year four, Fine. Left after year five nobody could really complain about it but this kind of stuff that we're starting to hear about maybe he didn't get enough nil support or whatever you're, you're in your second year man i mean you know i've been married almost 20 years it where our relationship is now it took time to get it there you know it right. takes time to get it but it's but good, I think,
2: it's a good analogy
1: well yeah and i think kind of what you what you want to take away from this is one Never get mad at a player for chasing a dollar ever. Okay. Elko got everything he could have wanted at Duke, except apparently he may not have gotten as much NIL in year coming into year three as he would have liked. Okay. We'll see. We'll learn more about it. Uh, but I don't get what he possibly could want to leave for because that AM job, I don't think it's a great job those are kind of my thoughts on it there's some fans who are really anti uh, anti-elco right now and all that they hate am whatever and a steel line from the TV show true detectives don't do that man that just gives you cancer okay i mean just just you know you don't have to root for him but i wouldn't spend time rooting against him if that makes sense yeah just yeah. he's gone he was here he's gone let's just hope nina king knocks it out of the park with the next hire let's all get behind behind nina and you know let's go get somebody good and let's make duke football good again
0: yeah great point that yeah that was um kind of where i i thought about it you know because you're always going to have your fans that i i get it you're 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 a huge fan you're you're angry you feel cheated um but the way i look at this situation is okay we move on whatever you know this is what the program is we have to put all of our faith and resources now into hoping that Nina can find the right person. And to me, and I want to hear your thoughts on this before we open it up to everybody else, is who is that right person? Because I kind of look back at some of the other coaching changes that have happened in college football over the last handful of years. One area, one team that I thought did it correctly was when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame and they promoted Marcus Freeman, who had no head coaching experience, but the players loved him It helped keep continuity in the program and he can learn on the job. I'll just be honest. I look at Duke as a stepping stone program. I think that is a program that you get a nice young coach in there, you know, try to build some sort of, you know, character building uh, program where there's a real uh, feeling that you're at Duke. And I thought that Elko said all the right things while he was there, but to your point, he was there for a cup of water, and then he bolted at the first opportunity they could, especially when he saw what the roster construction was going to look like next year. So I guess my question again is, who do you believe would be an ideal hire for, for Nina King?
1: That That's a really good question. It's hard to answer. There have been a lot of talk about people. Signetti uh, at JMU is a guy who's come up. I don't know if they're going to think maybe he's a little too old. I don't know. People have talked about Kevin Johns. You know, I like Coach Johns, but I think the offense regressed this year, and I think he is his system is somewhat limited, and he's too wedded to it. We'll see. Uh, people talk about Jim Knowles. I don't. I don't see that happening. I, I don't. I'm not saying it'd be a bad hire, but I think Jim Knowles is. You know, I'm, I'm a big Roman history guy, so. I'm just going to get into a pairing. I thought Cutcliffe and Knowles to an extent were like Augustus and Agrippa. Agrippa was the general so that Augustus could be the the emperor, right? And without the two working together, it doesn't work. And you're seeing that at Ohio State now. Everywhere Knowles goes, he's that number two guy that you have to have, which is fine. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a number one guy. So I don't know if he's the answer. One thing that has come up though is the coach at Marshall. I think his name's Huff, last name Huff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting you know, that that's an interesting hire for a I couple wouldn't. of reasons. Um he's doing a good job, one, and two it it'd be the first, you know, black head coach at Duke. I mean, that's yeah, right. I I think that's a big deal. Um and and from what everybody has said, he's got a good reputation. And, and maybe maybe he'd be a guy who would look around and say, "Look, why don't we have butts and seats? Why are we going to play Tennessee? Why are we going to play UConn? Why aren't we playing yeah. North Carolina Central every year? You know, yeah. I mean, why, yeah. why don't we have a series with them every freaking year to get the other school in Durham and to get their fans there?
3: Virginia Tech has had to deal with him uh, for a few years now, and. That's kind of been the consensus with him is that he he's he's scheduled some tough competition for Marshall for Marshall just to to kind of build that reputation of them not being afraid to play anybody and play wherever he I mean that's not, I mean, it's not a bad look man it wouldn't be a bad look it wouldn't be a bad no. look
2: oh,
1: I mean I I think it would be an interesting one uh, mm-hmm. Durham is not for everybody in the sense that it's Duke is a difficult program so you got to make mm-hmm. sure culturally there's a fit. But if Steve Weissman mentioned him today on the, the, uh, the OG podcast and, you know, you look at what he's done. I mean, you know, maybe he says, let's get Charlotte on the schedule every year too. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's get our non-conference games, more North Carolina based so that we can put butts in the stands.
3: And and you talk about the culture with Durham too. I mean, first black head football head coach at, at Durham, at, at Duke with, I feel like we connect with the city pretty well. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, you know, Duke has always been, it's always been so separated and, and some of the, the basketball guys did a great job, especially Nolan Smith did a great job of connecting the city with the team and with the university. And then I, I feel like this would, con, this would continue that connection. It really would. And cause I feel like that connection has been broken since Nolan left.
1: I think you're right. I mean, the, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I think that, I'm I'm kind of torn on this. Adam and I discussed this today, both on and off the air, is do you want to get somebody that fits kind of the Cutcliffe model who's going to be there for a long time, who maybe, you know, someone had mentioned Dan Mullen, like a guy who got run out of a school, Mm -hmm. who's going to come back and be there and not want to leave, or do you want to get another young up-and-comer? Maybe the solution is you kind of bridge the gap by getting a guy who's, you know, maybe 50 or so. Yeah, and who's who's coached before, but maybe not at that at that level, that that D one level, right? That Power Five level. And you know, I mean, Marshall's you know, tough. It's not the easiest place to win. Yeah. It, it would make some yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of parallels there. I think that that's right, and I think that I would try to bridge the gap there. I would try to get. <laughs> uh, I think I would try <laughs> to get someone that uh, does have some experience, but is young enough that can build a culture. Um, I do think bringing in a guy like Cutcliffe is a mistake because that things stale real quick and you have to be able to connect with a lot of these younger players. So that's what I would like to see. You have to have energy too. I'm not saying the Cutcliffe at like 68 years old or whatever he was that didn't have the energy, but his message had, you know, been kind of in a gone around quite a few generations. So I would like to see a little bit of a younger guy come in here full of energy, players love playing for him. That's contagious. And then you know that helps in the recruiting. It helps in the transfer portal. Those are things that Duke is going to have to to really you know build on to build a cohesive program that is not just a flash in the pan, you know, every couple of years, which is what I think Duke actually is right now. It's like you have to have something to build on, and even if the guy leaves after four or five years, if there's something to be left behind for the next person, then you can continue building. But Elko didn't do that. That was your point at the beginning, right? Is that you know, he was here for almost two years. You thought that he was starting to build something, but there's nothing There's nothing on the shelf for the next person. He has to start from scratch.
1: Right, and that's going to be a challenge. And Huff is, I think, 40. So yeah. he's got – He's not very old. He's not old. No, no. and he's got a, a long coaching future ahead of him. And oh, yeah. He doesn't have a lot of ties to the region, but I don't think that that is too big of a deal, meaning North no. South Carolina. I think you can get that. Uh, he's probably had to recruit a fair amount of Tennessee if he's been at Marshall, uh, and he's probably familiar with some areas where Duke could get some players from. He was, I think he was at Penn yeah. State. So he's familiar yeah. with that 95 corridor, right? Part of that 81 yep. corridor. Yeah. You know, and look, the, the Duke folks are gonna know a lot more about this than, than any of us will, but it's it's an intriguing name that I had not thought about till Steve mentioned it. And then I started looking at it and I said to myself, you know, that really does make some sense.
2: But the, the thing now, is, I I don't the, the only thing I disagreed with on the radio today, and again, great job, awesome interview, is when Adam said. Duke should want to be the school that keeps a coach for two to three years. Cause that means your program is doing well. I absolutely like that made no sense to me. Like what, if you're doing well, then what, what do you need to stay in Durham? What, what, what can I do for you to stay in Durham? Because it, we're just going to be on the sliding scale of, all right, we got eight, almost nine wins now. And oh, we slide back to five and then we, Hire another guy. He does well. We got seven, eight, almost nine, ten wins. And he gets gone. And I I don't agree with you can't build a culture like that, I guess, is what I'm I'm saying. So so when you said we need to find somebody in between Elko and Cutcliffe. I mean, that's spot on.
1: And I think Adam's point is, if you're a place like Duke, you want to be a place that can attract the best Mm -hmm. talent, right? I think that's the point that he was making, which I get. The problem is you don't want a guy to leave every two to three years. That's just too hard to sustain a program, especially these days um, where developing talent is very, very important. Uh, The portal is important. It matters. It supplements area, uh, supplements areas of your team that you're weak in, but you can't necessarily build your whole team on the portal. Right? So, I think you've got to find a balance between a guy like Cutcliffe who, by the way, his stock at Duke looks way better now, right? I mean, yeah,
0: we're yeah, all sure. thinking
1: very different about Cutcliffe probably than we did ever since the jump yeah. pass in 2019. But <laughs> I think, you know, for 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 Nina King, she's going to have to try to find some guy who's going to be at the school for at least five years but maybe not necessarily is going to be there for 15 and that's okay. Right. Yeah. That's okay.
3: And and to, and to bounce off of that too. I mean, as important as the head coach is, the coordinators are so important. Like in that, that can't be stressed enough. A lot of these players don't even, they, a lot of these players in football, because there's so many people on the roster, never even get a chance to talk to the head coach. The head coach doesn't even know half these guys' names. I can guarantee you that. I know that from from the year. As personable as Frank Beamer was at Virginia Tech, seventy-five to eighty percent of the team never talked to the guy until their senior night. And then when they come out on the field, he shakes their hand. Like the coordinators are super important. So I kind of get what Adam is talking about with that, where he says, you know, the two to three year thing. Because if you have a head coach who comes in for two to three years, sets up something, sets up some really good coordinators and some some smart coordinators who you can elevate to that head coaching position if necessary. Right. That that guy leaves, and now the next guy steps up. Because we, you got to be realistic, too. Duke, Like you just said, Duke is not going to be a place where you're going to hold a head coach for 15 to 20 years. That's de- that's designed for Florida State, Texas, Alabama, places like that. Not for Duke. The, you don't have the seating in the stadium. You don't have the money coming in. So being a program where you can bring in a couple of guys every couple of years who are really good, really young, really ambitious, who are going to end up going to these big, giant programs, I, I don't see a problem with it, man. I really don't. Like as long as you can maintain, like a, a, a train of guys coming through. If that's if
2: that makes sense, right. I well, think, I think you got to be willing to leave it to leave something for the next coach, then right. And well, that's the Earlier, I don't know.
3: Go so, Well, so far he has though. He didn't take anybody with him. Feelies going. going yeah,
0: he's, well, yeah, yeah. has
3: Feely, gone.
1: Yeah. And I think which is that we, important. Yeah, and I've yeah. heard it is important. I, I would not be surprised if there's a wholesale... I mean, I think Santucci's mm-hmm. gone. I don't think Santucci's right. going to stay in Durham. Right.
4: Yeah, I was going to ask but, about that, because I heard Elko's keeping uh, Jimbo's defensive coordinator.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I listened to his press conference on the way back home today uh, from the thing I had to go to in Lexington, and it, it sounded like he committed to it without committing to it. So... I right. He talked about a role, but Santucci – he brought Santucci in for this year. I can't imagine he's not going to try to find a role for Santucci. But I would also expect that he's going to take a number of guys with him mm-hmm. from the Duke mm-hmm. staff. Trooper was a holdover from Cut, and he's the interim coach, so I don't think – I mean, let's be real. you know He's going to have yeah. to stay in Durham, uh, yeah. which is fine. That's fine. And I appreciate Trooper doing this the second time. The issue is going to be how soon can we get somebody and then how soon can they get a staff together because National Signing Day is coming up soon. And we got a lot of guys to replace. You got Mm -hmm. Dwayne Carter. You got Jamie on Franklin. I've heard rumors about Chandler Rivers leaving in the portal. Uh, You got Jacob Monk. You got Graham Barton. I mean, how long do you want to go on for with guys that are leaving, right? Yeah.
4: Man, if we lose Rivers, that'll break my heart.
1: That guy's got that dog in him. I mean, he is a player. Is
2: Riley, yeah. Is Riley pretty much gone? You don't see him. He's, he's going to have scissors across the board. Like, is, is Riley gone?
1: Well, I don't follow that stuff too closely because it's a great way to end up in a mental institution. And <laughs> my view on it is he's probably – I've heard rumors that Auburn has offered him, like, gobs of money. Yeah. Now, why you would go – I got to be careful. I don't want people egging my house. But Auburn would not <laughs> be an ideal landing spot for me if I his, were riding. His girlfriend goes there. Yeah. I, and I've heard that. And I've also That's heard it. Notre Dame is That's interested it. in him. Yeah. But oh, are you not- I mean, I, I don't, if you're going to go there to play football, I mean, yeah. what was it? Fourth and what on Saturday? 30, 31. I'm just saying, man. You know, you know, you, you can lose on fourth and sixteen in Durham. You don't have to go all the way to Alabama to lose on another fifteen yards on top
2: of it, right?
1: Well, yes, you can. Hate to see it.
0: So, oh, well, uh, I guess
1: my follow
2: up hypothetically, he does leave. Uh, you, got you got two freshmen, freshmen right? right. Do we, I'm taking King Henry if healthy. Here's what yes. I've heard about
1: yeah heres here's yes. what I've heard about Henry is he's got a really good arm but he's had an arm injury or an upper body injury the specifics of which I'm not sure I'm guessing it's his arm okay right. but what you've seen from Loftus has been impressive. he's mm-hmm. a true freshman yeah. and just looking at what they did and I was at the NC State game and I think Beelan was hurt in that game and that's why they didn't run as much i'm not saying that was the game where he got hurt i think it had gone on longer than that but it'd be hard for me not to give an edge to loftus um he has a little bit he's a better passer than thomas sirk was but he's got some of that thomas sirk okay the game's on the line i'm gonna take this over and we're gonna make something happen i mean i it would be hard for me, and then I think I don't know if I, th- I think the kid's name is Tyler Cherry, who's one of the quarterbacks they got yes. coming in.
0: Yeah, he's supposedly
1: yeah. really good. He's going to be an early enrollee, or was planned to. But I mean, that Loftus kid, you know, he, he he made some plays. True.
3: Didn't uh, Henry's he brother commit to the program, right? Didn't Didn't Henry's brother commit to the program, or has, has he committed yet?
1: That, I'm not sure. I, I do not follow recruiting as closely as I probably need to. Because it's just, uh, you know, I, I wait until signing no, no, I get day it. and then I I get it. I it. It's, it's insane, man. I mean, it's yeah. insane. People recruiting Especially. is a very different animal.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very different than our recruiting.
1: Plus.
3: Yeah, very <laughs> different animal from basketball recruiting. Absolutely.
0: So, to, to kind of get you out of here, I, I told you it would be 15 to 20 minutes more at 23, so I appreciate you, you stepping around, but um, Overtime. I'm yeah, happy I, to stay,
1: man. This is yeah, a good talk.
0: It's a great talk, and, and <laughs> I could go on for an hour talking about this because it's something I'm very interested in. I think that in terms of what Duke fans need to be realistic about is the type of program that you are, but more importantly, the type of program you want to become. And so getting pissed off about Elko, to me, is a waste of my time. I mean, I, it's, it's whatever. He's gone. I have to mm-hmm. move on. And trust that Nina Kane can do the right thing here, because I think that that is really where the that's where she can make her mark. And if we have a lot of trust in Nina King, and I do, um, then we should be fine. Like, it's still gonna it would have taken Elko three more years to build this thing back up, bring in the right person, build your your new culture, and and start from there. Like, what do you tell Duke fans?
1: here's what I tell Duke fans. All right. I'm again, I'm 42. I remember Spurrier leaving and I remember being upset as a kid about Spurrier leaving. And my dad saying, son, uh, again, not sure why he raised me to be a Duke football fan. I'm going to address that with him <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I, I got I to have some speaks with the, with the man about that. But uh, he said, son, he's going to his alma mater. You can't blame the guy for going to his alma mater. Now I think, today is our day to be upset at Elko primarily for the way that he did it. Sure. And for the fact that he's not leaving a legacy behind and we just extended him. Right. I I mean, we haven't even gotten into that. What did he get like a seven, eight year extension or something? He's on the Mm -hmm. same track as Shire. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. He's gone. He's gone. What we have seen since 2008 is that Duke is willing to commit the resources to win and to compete. What have we done since then? Well, We've beat Carolina, okay? Elko didn't, but we beat Carolina. We won a coastal, and we've been to a bunch of bowl games, okay, including a Peach Bowl and a Sun Bowl, okay? We can do it, but we have to understand that we're kind of like Wake Forest, right? You're you're somewhere in that five to eight win range, and if things go really well, Maybe you get to that 10 or uh, 10-plus season, uh, 10 or 10-plus-one season. So just be patient. Next year was always going to be a rebuilding year anyway. If you were going to buy season tickets, go ahead and buy them. Don't get upset because Elko's not there. Just go ahead and buy them. If you want to support the Durham Devils Club for NIL, go ahead and do it. Um, Don't let the fact that Elko is not there anymore be the reason for you not to do that. Because this – this program can be special it's not going to be in alabama it's not going to be a penn state it's not going to be in michigan it's not going to be an ohio state it's, mm-hmm. that's fine it's you know it's not going to be an lsu either and that's okay but we can put competitive good entertaining football out there and we can have a lot of fun with it we've shown we've been able to do it through two head coaches Yep. okay yeah so and that,
3: that's but, important that's a, that's such an important point man like the fans don't give up man like seriously continue to sell the stadium out continue to sell it out you got more seats now you got all the other things you got the more resources and things like continue to use that because the only way you sustain it and the only way you keep these head coaches that you want is by buying the tickets like so continue to support your team because if you don't i, I will tell you right now <laughs> if you don't do it it will tank. i promise you that I've, yeah. I've lived through
1: it i've seen it already and you know what even during the bad virginia tech years they sell out. Yeah. You yeah. no, we, we all, we've
3: only missed one bowl in the past at the Virginia Tech only missed one bowl in the past 30 some years. So like the, the fan interaction is so important and, and the, the fans committing to the program and, and donating the money and buying the tickets and things. It's, it's super important, man. It really is. It, it's more important than the head coach. It really, because you get the head coach by putting the money into it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, I'm gonna buy my season tickets, my general admission season tickets for next year. I'm gonna do it. You know, folks, if you're thinking about it, you're on the fence. Just go ahead and do it. It won't kill you to do it for one year. There it is.
2: Good point.
0: I heard well, it. Heard it, heard it here. Uh, no, Ben, appreciate you joining. Um, if you want to stick around for the rest of the podcast and talk hoop with us, you're more than welcome. I'll do it, man. Absolutely. Oh, that's fucking good. Let's fucking hey. Let's Let's, Let's do it crack and A Let's do it. full collab. go. Um oh, no. so John Shire announced that he's leaving. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you heard it. Next play. Uh, let's <laughs> go to the next play. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's talk hoops. Um Duke had three games uh that we kind of all figured that we would win. Kind of beat up on Buck now, kind of beat up on the song, and then it took us 20 minutes to shake off the trip the fan, the cranberry sauce, and right, TK, time Yeah.
4: CK, who was the second game? Who'd we play?
3: LaSalle? He says. He said LaSalle. Sack. <laughs> oh, I'm I sorry. The guy. I
2: forgot, I, I, I forgot like, the I was Philly guy. Was slide, right bro. there, everybody. I was gonna
0: let him slide. That's them. No. Uh, no, that's me. City,
4: disrespect my city.
5: You
0: can't do it. The Philly guy. The Philly guy. You know, obviously the Eagles are you know, hot as fire. Talk about fourth and thirty-one Three. from Auburn. That was about. That was about as equal. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you got to be just hurting today. Uh, Jake Elliott
4: is that dude.
0: Super Bowl dude, until
3: proven different. different. All, all right, let's get, back, let's get back. Let's get back track
0: here. Uh, sometimes Ben we get off the rails a little bit. Hey, but hey, uh, G- Pablo, Pablo G- hey, to, All right, Pablo hasn't had a chance to uh, to chime in yet here, so let's get him in for uh, his expertise in, in the hoops. Just kind of break down those three games. What you saw, what did you like? What didn't you like? Obviously that first 20 minutes against Southern Indiana, if I pronounced that correctly, <laughs> didn't go the way we wanted to. But, you know, so what, did you, what, did you, what did you take away from, from that three-game uh, segment? <coughs> that it's funny.
5: Well, I mean, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. We handled our business. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, I don't even want to talk about that Southern Indiana game. That game was crazy. That game just it just took way too long to – you know, figure things out. But um, that's a game that Shire got the technical in, right?
3: Yeah. No, nah, that was uh, Bucknell. No, boy. that was Bucknell. Yeah, yeah. that was Bucknell. Tyre- 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 Tyrese got
5: the, the-
4: again. Okay, Tyrese okay. Okay.
3: okay.
5: That's when he caught the dunk off the uh, yeah. off the give and go? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nah. Um, yeah. Man, at the end of the day, you know, we – what I'll say is this, man, is that we got to start – we can't start out slow like how we mm-hmm. always start out, man. We can't keep doing right. that, you know. They got to get You're over the hump. Too. You know, we have to figure something out because, you know, having to come back against these teams, you know, it's never a problem when we play in teams mm-hmm. like, you know, the Bucknells and the Southern Illinois or uh, Indiana or whatever. But, you know, it's going to be hell if we play, you know what I'm saying, if we play from behind for a ter- uh, against a team like Arkansas, right. um, especially in, in their building, you know what I mean, where they'll have the yeah. sixth man at, you know what I mean, then you count the ref in to probably the seventh man. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. man, we got to – we got to figure something out, man. We got to figure something out quick. I think that they'll come out ready to play. But, you know, we'll talk about that uh, Arkansas game later. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I like what I saw overall. And I know we talked about mm. a little bit. We were talking about that today, uh, TK, is just, you know, and Jack. We were talking about Tyrese just being aggressive, man. I think that's where it starts at. Um, you know, and it could be contagious, you know what I mean, with his, with his play. So, you know, we really got to get him going uh, into an offensive groove. Uh, as far as aggressiveness. Um, and I think that'll set the tone for us and, and we'll be okay.
0: Yeah, Jack, you know, I was going to pick it over to you real quick. Uh, we'll get to UD in a second, but I wanted to bring Jack in on that point because, you know, we were talking about it. The Tyrese thing to me is the, the biggest factor in this team's ceiling. If, if we can, you know, it's not like he's playing poorly, but we just no, kind of not. expect so much more because he has the potential to do so much more. So, again, you know, part of our, you know, group chat today is talking about him being more decisive, more aggressive, committing to what we know he can do because it's going to open up so many different things for his teammates. Kind of talk about what you'd like to see Tyrese Proctor do, especially if we get into these bigger games, Arkansas, then the first league game, you know, and then we have Baylor up at MSG. So what would you like to see from him?
4: I want to see Tyrese Get to the hoop more. Be more assertive with the ball. Like he's being—he's a great point guard, but he's being really too passive, which is a thing you can do as a point guard. Like shockingly, he is the best player on the floor a lot of the time, and he needs to play like it. He's a projected lottery pick. I mean, yeah, he's great at creating for others, but he needs—he needs to create for himself. He gets to the hoop, which he's really good at doing. It opens up the defense. It lets him kick out to shooters if they're open because the defense will collapse on him. He's got that height advantage over most people that are going to be matched up with him. I, I really think I think just him being more aggressive with the ball and just trying to get the easy two is going to be that's instrumental in opening up the offense for the team. And they've really been playing with way less spacing than uh, they should be, and I think that's part of it if I'm being completely honest. Get more space by collapsing the defense in. Boom! You got your shooters open.
0: Yeah, go ahead, D.
2: Yeah, no, I'll say this about Tyrese: uh, he needs to have a, a a switch where he's not a uh, pass first point guard. Like at, at some point, he needs to be like, okay, I've got to score twenty eight points now. And and that is something that he can do, but I don't think we've seen him flip that switch just yet. Um, another thing: I don't want to put it. I don't want to put it all on his shoulders because. Even in the second half when we were knocking down shots and we were walking into step up, uh, you know, walking into three pointers and stuff like that. Nobody was moving without the ball. And I promise you, anybody who has ever played this game, if you move without the ball, if you move to the basket, I guarantee you good things will happen. I promise. I promise. It's not just me saying it. This is a fact. And if you rewatch that second half, even though Duke was knocking down shots, they played better defense. They were standing around. And that is something, like Pablo said, we cannot do against good teams. We stand around against Arkansas. We're out by 25.
0: Yeah, AC, I mean, we putting you in on this one because I think that there's a lot of truth to that. The thing, again, with – I'm, I'm, it's like beating a, a drum here, like with Tyrese. Like I want to see him do a lot more. But, yeah, there's a lot of stagnant offensive flow or lack thereof when Duke has been playing. You know, a lot of guys standing around, well, who's going it to make the play, but there's – what what has
3: to happen? It's it's new basketball. Like it's yeah. it's the new thing we're seeing. We're not we're not seeing the the Bobby Knight constant five man motion anymore. You're not seeing that anymore. You're seeing actions based off of a couple guys' motion, couple guys' movements, and what the defense is giving you. And honestly, the only player that I saw in the last three games that really like really kind of played that old school like. Move with the ball type of thing was actually T.J. Power and his, with his three threes that he hit against, uh, I think it was LaSalle, he he moved with the ball like his last three was beautiful because Caleb Foster drove into the lane all the way down to the block, and the entire time, T.J. Power shuffled down to the to the to the corner,
0: yeah. and
3: had his hands ready for a three the entire time. Caleb Foster did it against Michigan State, um, and it was beautiful. So. It, it's not something you see all the time and I, and but it's also not something i think that we are lacking fully because let's keep it in context we're still playing some bad teams and john is still a young head coach i think he's over coaching if if and it looks like the guys aren't moving the guys aren't doing anything i honestly think john's over coaching because if he wanted to if he wanted to just take the if he just wanted to take the leash off we would have beaten all of those teams by 30 40 points if we wanted to but he is a young head coach and I kinda I kinda liken it to the uh, the the field that I'm in, which is the fire department. You have a young officer who comes in and they just want to tighten the reins on everybody because they want to prove to everyone who they are. I kind of feel like John's in that mode. Uh, like I kind of feel like he's in the mode of he wants to prove to people how smart he is and how many plays he can run and like how many actions he can create for guys. And and that's why you see flip getting 25 points a game. And that's why you see, you know, certain like, like we talk about Tyrese being more aggressive. Tyrese, we, I don't need Tyrese to score 30. Like Tyrese has, he has drive credibility. He has mid-range credibility. Right now he doesn't have three-point credibility because people don't believe in his shot. We know that Tyrese is going to be a good three-point shooter by the time the season's over. He's going to be a three-point shooter by next game, I'm sure. But he does have that drive credibility. And the one that, the, where I want to see him be more aggressive is just moving the ball into the lane because you saw it against LaSalle, you saw it really against that in the second half against Southern Indiana. Every time he drove to the basket, he drew three guys, and it, it, everything was open for the guys on the interior. Like we had like six straight, six straight field goals from just literally from just dunks and layups under the basket because Tyrese Proctor drove. So we just need, we need more of that and more of the efficient shots. And and let's continue to talk about that because this team is still doing what we did last year. 69 to 70 possessions a game we're not above that 75 74 possession a game threshold that i'd love to see this team be above yet we're still scoring almost 90 points a game so and i know the competition isn't great but we had bad competition last year and we were scoring 70 and 60 points against terrible teams correct the scoring is vastly improved this year so let's take a step back and be like we're being super efficient with not a lot of not a lot of possessions so the team is clearly very talented and and i think that we will do nothing but nothing but in, in improve and and, and i want to hear ben's thoughts on that too just as just you know being being a duke fan yeah,
1: i don't know if it's shires is over himself i, I one mm-hmm. thing that i've noticed i was looking at the box score while i was listening to you all there's a rotation of a solid 8 and it's upwards mm-hmm. of 9 when you throw blakes in there depending on how many minutes he gets yeah. That's uncommon for Duke. But I, I also think this is part of the problem. We talked about this before we got started. I think there's too many guards on the floor at a given time. And I think that's where Proctor is struggling. It seems to have improved of late. And I don't think it's anything Proctor's doing wrong. I think it's it's that he's not able to do what he has customarily done last season at Duke where he was kind of the guy, right? And he had the ball in his hand all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that that Shire's challenge is going to be to find a way to balance the minutes of the guys that are there while letting Proctor do what he's best at, right? I hadn't really thought about the lack of motion beyond, and I think that's a good point, point. and I want to watch that a little more closely. I hadn't thought much past that other than thinking they just look kind of sluggish And maybe they just hadn't found their rhythm yet because the roster and the rotation hadn't finalized itself. But I I think that you're on to something there. But I I do think that the the big challenge for Proctor that Shire's going to have for Proctor is finding a way to maximize his ability given the number of guys he's got to get minutes for.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the things that you want to kind of find out, especially in these three games, and it's something that we talked about, was trying to get people to kind of understand what their roles are. And that's a huge reason why those three games are so important. And we do have a couple games against Charlotte and Hofstra where we can still try to, you know, finalize what that rotation looks like. But at the end of the day, like, what we need is people to understand what exactly their roles are. And in my opinion, Pablo, I want to get your thoughts on this again, is that Tyrese Pratt has to be that guy. He, you know, you always hear the the analogy, like you're giving the keys to the Lamborghini, drive it like a Lamborghini, put your foot on the gas and control this team. You're not driving a Prius, you know, like take over, be that guy. Because after you do that, you establish yourself as the guy that makes the other guys roles that much easier your Jeremy mccain's and tj power gets in the game even jeremy roach even flip who can step back out and he's showing the propensity to shoot that opens up the floor for everybody else it opens up for uh him to get to the bucket for a lot you know that's kind of the way i look at how do you see it yes
5: yeah, so i'll touch on a few things but um i'll to start with the tyrese proctor thing um you know I, I mean i think everybody you know hits some valid points and just you know i followed tyrese proctor since he has been in high school you know, he's never been a, you know, a 20, 30 point scoring guy, you know what I yeah. mean? And the type of game that he plays, you know, he's more of a distributor than anything else. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's a knockdown shooter. Uh, his percentages could be a little higher right now at Duke or whatever. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you don't have to be like a scoring point guard to take over a game. You know what I mean? and you know he can have his blueprint all over the game mostly now you know what you see now is is on the defensive end is where his blueprint is at uh he's locking down the you know what i mean the, the 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 best teams the the opposing team's best perimeter uh offensive guy um so there's a bunch of things different things that he can do uh as far as shire uh letting them loose and everything i think shire's let everybody loose and we've seen that i think the mode that we're stuck in right now is, you know, we've seen this over and over again, even when Kay was coaching, you know, you would see just talent would take over. You know what I mean? It's not, we're not out there trying to fucking look like Davidson or Purdue and all these other guys that have this beautiful offense. They just give, you know, I mean, one of their dudes the ball and they say, go get a fucking basket. You know what I'm saying? The thing is that we don't really have that on our team on the perimeter right now. We have that with Flip. You know what I'm saying? So I think,
3: uh, I would, ahead, I would I think we – no, 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 just because I want to create a dialogue here. I, I think we do have that talent. I think we do have that ability. No, we have the and talent. But I'm just talent. saying, I, th- I think despite what some of the – I think that I the way I've seen it, and I th- we'll probably, I'm sure we'll have a Coach's Corner that comes out for the Patreon users for, for this very thing. What I have watched and seen, I think – I really do. I'm not saying he's holding them back. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this is a Roy Williams thing where you have to do what I say you do. And <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, I think John used these three games as practice because we didn't have a lot of practice between the holiday, between some of their their mid uh, midterm exams that they had and stuff. You're not getting a lot of practice, and we've had a lot of games. We've had a lot of games, and the same thing right. happened last year. We had a lot of games early on in the season where John had to use games as practice versus practice as practice, where a Coach K schedule would look like you stuff a bunch of games in early November, you come out for a feast week and do some kind of multi-team event, either in Hawaii or Chicago or somewhere else. And then you come back and then you play like maybe three games between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like you might have three games under Coach K at that point in time. And, and that's, that's just the, the level he elevated to. And that's the thing he understood. Whereas with John – and Nina, the way they've scheduled, John has put together a very aggressive schedule with the amount of games that they played. So he's got to use games <laughs> as practice. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that John is bad coach and needs to go or any, all the stuff we're seeing on Twitter. I am saying that I think he's using the games as practice. And he hasn't
5: actually let the guys loose the way they could be loose.
3: That's all I'm saying. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah.
5: No, and, and if you look at the offense, I think anybody that has like a coach and I, not even, you don't even really have a coach and I. One of the biggest things, you know, with Duke is, you know, it's everybody thinks it's ball movement. It's not the ball movement
0: because no, if you
5: have, if you have, it's the player movement, man. Right. Like we have too many guys standing around. Ball movement and player movement mm-hmm. is how you shift the defense. Bottom yep. line, everybody always they always just attribute it to ball movement, ball movement. It's not just ball movement, man. There's so many different things that you can do to manipulate a defense, and that's why mm-hmm. Tyrese Proctor is so key. In this offense, yep. him getting into the paint, him getting two feet in, two feet in the paint, letting the defense collapse, like we talked about earlier on text message. Mm-hmm. We need that vertical spacer. Who's the vertical spacer on the team? Sean Stewart. Sean Stewart. You know, yep. we got uh, Christian Reeves is hurt. Uh, you know, getting into the paint, you know, throwing it up to and, Sean Stewart. And, and that's and a flip, all day and flip to oh, a degree. And flip, no, flip, just saying absolutely, and, flip, absolutely, and flip to a degree. absolutely, absolutely flip to a degree. But that's the thing, though, is that we have to, you know. We really have to. I think Shire really has to get these guys moving. You know what I mean? That's yes. the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. We have everything that we need on offense. We have guys that could get in the lane. Right. We got lethal shooting. It's just, you know, it's just certain things that he got to do. And, you know, hopefully, just like you said, I hope he is using these games for practice and he's seeing what works. You know what I mean? Because we we can do it. It's just a matter of time, man. And just a matter of him just, you know, enforcing that and making them do that. I'll, I'll have guys, like, hey, if you fucking standing mm-hmm. around, guy. You know, you need to be moving. I don't care what you do, but you need to be cutting. You need to be screening away, doing something. Out of all
3: the. I'll say, uh, uh, let me, right? Hold hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. And I'll say one more thing to your point for that. All I want to see, I don't need to see a bunch of cross court movement and a bunch of horn sets because we haven't, we've run three horn sets. I've watched every game. We've run three horn sets this whole season. Three, that's it. Everybody wants to run horns. We've only run three. That's a set play. Everybody wants to see a bunch of set plays. Well, I. All you need to do legitimately with the way John's running the offense is just drop with the ball when it drops down to the paint and just have guys in the corner set up. We've talked about a million times about that D or up top when you're at that free throw line extended, have somebody right there on that wing extended and you have to have a shooter available there. And I think that's what we've been trying to do. We just haven't looked to that cross court the way we needed to, because like we're talking about Tyrese being more aggressive the LaSalle game has been one of the only games where he's consistently gotten into the middle of the paint to make that cross court pass and go ahead.
2: No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I just like, sometimes watching this Duke offense, I want to just scream at him Like what I tell my kids basketball team, like don't stand still, move without the ball, like stay between your man. It's, it's very simple. Like when you, when you think about it, like Tyrese drives to the lane, well, three people collapsed, man. We don't need four people standing around the three point line. Somebody, Mark, please come to the front. Like, come to the like the box. And it's a drop simple drop into dunk his vision. Out. You know, uh, you know drop what it I mean. To, like, drop
3: into his vision. That's it. Yeah, drop into his vision.
2: If you're standing still on the basketball court, nine times out of ten, you're probably doing something damn wrong. And
3: that and that's why having two bigs is so important. We saw it last year at UConn. UConn was so good because they had two bigs that were capable. And they had guards that were willing to look to those bigs, but they also had guards who had the shot credibility and the drive credibility. Like, everybody talks about, oh, we need to move to, you know, the, the Warriors only have one center. That's not basketball, man. What the war? – don't try to do what the Warriors – nobody can do what the Warriors do. You can't do that. But if you – It only have took the
4: Warriors bigs, two of the greatest shooters of all time right? and one of the best defenders of all time.
3: Exactly. If you have two bigs who can occupy space and occupy a defender – your offense will look so much better than what it actually is, no matter how good of a coach you are no and how genius you are with putting together offensive plays. Two big men who are capable of occupying defenders is key, and that's the thing we've seen with this team. Everybody is sagging off of one of our bigs, whether it's Ryan Young Mark Mitchell. They're sagging away from that person and creating double teams on the other side. So those guys have to create something else. Ryan Young, we saw him. He put up a three-point shot against LaSalle. I loved it. That was awesome, and I wish it dropped because yes. I would have my, – my pants would have been
4: gone, but it didn't happen. I it see it you didn't hit. Oh, my
3: God. It, no pants. I, I, will say, I, I, would pants say,
4: I will say with Proctor and also Flip just getting down, like from free throw line extended down into the paint, when Mark is there in that dunker spot, the amount of times that the defense just completely hones in on whoever it is with the ball and Just leaves Mark open for like a dump off pass and do an easy dump. Yeah. That needs and to that keep happening. It only happens spot. once or twice a game.
2: It should be a Not
3: no-brainer, run right? Run Jack? We move me and Paulo, me and Paolo yeah. talked about on the first coach's corner against Arizona. Ryan Young at the free throw line as opposed to the three-point line. That has changed how yes. the defenses do everything because now you have to be occupied by Ryan Young because he's the free throw line. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah.
2: No. It's I think a we,
3: it's a matter of it's literally a matter of fifteen feet. As as little as that seems, a fifteen feet makes a difference in basketball. Hell yeah, Hell yeah. That's, that's
0: significant. But it also it also helps when you know the defense is clearly strategizing to say, okay, Mark Mitchell, you're out there on the the three point line. We're just going to sag off you. We're gonna we're gonna clog the lane. So mm-hmm. why are you still standing out there? You know what I mean. Like you have to do something else to get yourself, you know, open and help your teammates out a little bit. Kind of like that, you know, to your point, the like just standing there doing nothing doesn't help you out. So we got to do a little bit something different to, to to switch it up and make it easier on yourself to get buckets. And I thought he did a pretty good job, all things considered, in those three games, getting himself involved. Um, he, had, he had a big game against uh, Bucknell, played solid against LaSalle. Uh, I thought, you know, You said it, you said it right. You said it right. Anyway, you said it right. About. I'm going to piss off. Um, All right, so let's move to uh, to the next segment. Hold on
3: real quick. Ben Ben, ben I, quick about Reeves.
0: Ben, ben oh, wants to about Reeves. Oh, my fault. No, it's okay. I, I just
1: wanted to say one thing. You guys were talking about two bigs, and Reeves has hurt his foot. I'm not sure his ankle, what the specifics are. Mm-hmm. But if he could be in there and be a little bit more of a rim protector and a rebounder, now he's got to work on his body. I noticed that before he went out. He didn't seem to position himself right, but that would really, really help to get Mitchell a little bit more freedom to where he doesn't have to be entirely like a Carl Malone down low, which is kind yeah. of what he's involved into a little bit uh, evolved into in a little bit. And I think that that's okay, but it would help him maybe have a little more freedom to slash and attack but we'll see what happens yeah. with Reeves if he comes back but he's going to have to get that aggressiveness using his body positioning Reeves, himself Reeves, 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 Reeves. he's going to have to you know and you saw him he didn't really seem to know how to use his body and he's going to have to figure that out here uh if he wants to get more minutes this it's is talking this to the Christian Reeves, 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 Reeves,
3: Reeves fan club right here this is Reeves central,
1: this is central is baby Reeves. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is what we've talked about for two years now. This is Reeves' look-in-the-mirror moment. How bad do you want this? Do you but, have a and, dog?
3: And But that's the thing. He Right now, I don't even want to put that at him because he just can't do it physically right now because he has an injury. I get it. So I get it. We, we've, we've said it. we said it. we said just wait until January. Just wait until February. Christian Reeves is coming. The fans have already given up. They've already said he's a waste. They've already said John Shire's a waste. And and all the fans on Twitter, Twitter is such a toxic place. By the way,
2: (laughs) they've all said it. He's a shell. He's a shell. comments.
3: And and that's the beauty of this team. This team has so far to go, and we're already so good. That's why I'm like this. The ceiling on this team is incredible because with all the things we're talking about, we have so far to go, and and we're going to go there. Like. We will go there, but fans have already given up, so it's cool. I've already seen that we're our ceiling is round of 32, so it's but, cool.
1: We're but awesome. people yeah, we're, shouldn't we're, be negative. We're losing towards, a Texas Tech off the roof. Yeah. yeah. People should not be negative towards Reeves. It's just this is something he's got to learn mm-hmm. how to do, right?
0: Yeah. He's got to learn, not, and he's yeah. got to be
3: healthy enough to do it. He hasn't been Correct. healthy
1: enough in his entirety at
3: Duke to even be able to do it. Correct. But
0: that's part of, that's part of it, though, is that you have to be available. And yeah. he hasn't been available, and, and I'm availability not saying that is fault. But he but hasn't avail- been available. availability
3: is an attribute. Like Correct, they, they say it in football all the time, availability is an attribute, and and he will get there. I promise he's going to get there. And and, and Pablo talked. He he has talked about Christian Reeves so often. We have all talked. Like this is the Christian Reeves fan club right here. The, the, this oh, this yeah. group, and Ben, you are included. <laughs> this is the six of us right here.
0: Whether you want to be or not, I don't know. But you're included yeah. now. Right. Morning, um, all right, we gotta move this thing along. Um right. we gotta get to the stock market. Can we give me the We've thrown
3: the timer away. We've thrown the timer That's away. Gone. That's gone. <laughs>
0: this is the this is, not is an Iron Man match. This is not an Iron Man match. Um, all right. So stock market first one of the season. We wanna talk about a, a handful of guys. we just gonna rapid fire. So as as your boy TK, the point guard here, I'm just gonna go around the horn. We're gonna say this player. Buy, sell, hold, and then after the end of uh, all five of, of the players that we talk about, we'll just do a, a quick, you know, little recap and, and and tell why you're you're sticking with where you're at. First guy that we're going with is uh, is Sean Stewart. AC, are you buying? You selling and holding?
3: Buy all day long, man. It, it, you can see what's coming. You can see what John is trying to do with him. Like I said, like if if I'm gonna say that we're using these multi-team event games is practice and such. You can see where things are going with Sean Stewart. He had a good game against Michigan state against an actual legitimate team, which is, is, you know, indicative. Like I know he only played like three minutes, but the minutes he played were good. And then John has started to give him minutes after that. Sean Stewart, get it in right now while you can, because the dude, the things he does on the court are, it's absolutely insane. The, The jump ability the speed down the floor. I mean, he's he's down the floor at the rim before the ball has even made the second outlet pass, and it's like Jesus, like this dude is so fast. Like it, his athleticism off, is off the charts, and it's it's we haven't seen anything like that at Duke. I mean, probably since probably since Gerald. I don't know, and 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 I I, I I'd be he's he's a better athlete than Gerald Henderson, like and and yeah. Zion, like we had Zion, but you know, I mean, this is a different animal. I'm not even going to try Definitely. to make that Definitely. comparison, but. But, like, all the way back to Gerald Henderson, we haven't had somebody who who can change the game not because of their basketball talent, but because of their fast-twitch muscle ability, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. Jack, what yep. do you got here? You, you, you buying, too? I'm buying on
4: Sean. The coaching staff, from what I heard, was actually really low on him at the start of the season, which is why he barely played yep. in the first couple of games. But... Yep. Bye. Like, he is... I don't know how much longer we we're able to buy. I think the hype is almost at its maximum point, but it's not there yet. Bye.
0: Yeah. Bye, bye. Dad, what do you got? Buy. Uh, buy bye.
1: Uh, bye, <laughs> bye, bye. He could turn into that four. He could turn into that four that we need. I mm-hmm, mean, mm-hmm. he could play two. I mean,
0: bye. Brian, oh, I'm
2: absolutely buying. He's the most efficient player on Duke's team right now. If you look at his breakdown minutes-wise.
0: Pablo, you buying?
2: You already know, baby. I'm buying.
1: <laughs> I get uh, it.
0: That's a, a unanimous buy because you already know that I'm doing that. Uh, I mean, the guy, he reminds me of Bagley in a lot of ways. uh quickly he can get off the floor. And that's just going to he, – he's not even asked to do what Bagley did. He's going to be a huh. complete difference maker for this team. So, uh, mm-hmm. all right, let's move it along here and talk about Pablo. You and I have been talking about it all offseason. Taylor, <laughs> uh, this is an interesting one. Because if you bought right after Michigan State, that stock and dipped a little bit in those last three games. Where do you have this? Are you buying? Are you holding? Are you selling?
5: Oh, you know, I'm 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 buying. You know, I was all in on Caleb Foster <laughs> his sophomore year in high school. So, you know, I'm not changing my stance. Um, you know, I, I just think that you know he's he's what we need uh, if we get him back next year. And it be special and uh, you'll really see some special
2: things. So I'm, I'm buying all day.
0: Yeah. D where are you at with Foster?
2: I'm going to hold with Foster right now. Like you, you see his ceiling, like he can see what he does. He's a score. It's super hard to take him off the court, but I need to see more efficiency. I need to see more. Um, just do the, do stay in your lane, I guess is the best way to put it with Foster. Like don't, don't do. Don't try to do anything out of your realm of capabilities right now. There's so many good players on the floor with you. If, if you see an opening, take it. If you if you're open, shoot it. But don't try to be Superman out here. You you don't need to do that. So I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold with Foster.
0: All right, Ben, where are you at?
1: I'm going to buy on Foster too. I mean, I think he's going to go through some ups and downs because he's young. But if he starts hitting that shot consistently, you know. I mean, we haven't – I'd love to see him turn into Trent, right? I mean, that'd oh, yeah. be great. I don't oh, know yeah. if that's going to happen, but I'm going to buy on him. I think he's got some upside, and I think what what you're seeing maybe with some of the inconsistencies is a mix of youth and what we talked about with trying to find the
0: rotation
1: and get the rotation down.
0: Yeah, Jack, where are you?
4: I'm holding on him right now. Um, A few years ago during the uh, – the- the year that is never mentioned. I, I tweeted during a game, Wendell Moore is a great player when he's not trying to be James Harden. And that's kind of the category I want to put Caleb into right now. He's a fantastic player who I think needs to I get much like D said, he when he sticks to his role, he's amazing. He needs to show a little bit more of that, the inconsistency, obviously, it's a combination of youth and not having a fully set in stone role yet. But I think Kind of as the rule gets more defined, we'll have a better idea. But I, for right now, I'm holding just because that's a little bit of a question
0: mark for me. a right, couple of holds, couple of buys, E.C. Are going to break the tie?
3: I'm going hold. It's, it's what I've talked about with him before he got to Duke when we used to talk about him as, as a recruit. I, in, inc- inconsistent is not a nice word to use for him because it's not inconsistent. The dude gives so much effort every single time he's on the floor. It's just it's one of those things like certain players, like the switch turns on when you play good teams, The switch turns on in in certain moments. And and he had a bad game against Arizona. He came back against Michigan State. They had a great game. Like Caleb is one of those guys. It's going to be up or it's going to be down. So you hold you hold until he has when he has the good game. Go ahead and sell if you want, because the good game he's going to have is is peak. Like he's going to be incredible all season at times. And then there's going to be the next game. He's going to have zero or six. And that's just what you live with him. But with Caleb Foster, he's going to win you games all season long. So just sell if you want to at the end of one of those games he wins for you, and then if you want to keep a little bit of stock, you hold it and then you sell again. Like it's it's just one of those types of stocks. He's just such yeah, a good well, player. Like he's so good. It's and and again the maximum effort. Like things he does off the ball, of whatever. So sell, <laughs> hold whatever you want to. Do. I, I'm in hold. I'm in hold until he has the good game, which is probably <laughs> against Arkansas, and then I'll sell.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh so for me, I'm, I'm buying. I think that his stock has dipped a little bit. You know, it was obviously peak. You know, at Michigan State, people were going up, buying, 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 and then everybody sold. You know, in in these last three games, you know, he was a little bit inconsistent with his shot. He saw some of those freshman states. I don't know that he has a lane. I just kind of want to see him go 100 miles an hour. Like he, the guy can play, he can control the team, and he can get up and down the court as fast as any player. Mm-hmm.
3: He's going to murder Arkansas, sell after I'm,
0: Arkansas. Wait. Oh, I
4: can't
3: wait.
0: That's why I'm buying as much. If it stocks low a little bit right now, I'm buying mm-hmm. as much of Foster stock as I possibly can. Yeah, he's going to have some of that Luke Kennard where he's going to put up 18 and then put up zero, put up 14, put mm-hmm. up zero. I can live with it, though, because I'm not asking him to do what we probably need a Luke Kennard to do his freshman year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm buying all day on on Caleb Foster. Let's move over to an interesting one here, his counterpart, uh, McCain. This is, is going to be a good one, AC. I want to start with you. This was your guy during the offseason, season. guy kind of started off a little slow, but now his shot, he's certainly found, and nobody works harder than he does.
3: No, no, nobody works harder than You see in the videos of him after practice, or after the games even, sorry, still in his jersey shooting threes and everything. Um, I, I like Jared a lot. I, again, he and Caleb both, Regardless if their shot's falling, they still make good decisions on the court in terms of movement, in terms of being in the right place at the right time. That's why Jared McCain had 10 rebounds against Bucknell. And so regardless of what the three's went, and he's shooting 46% from three right now, unheard of for a freshman at Duke. Like, again, A.J. Griffin, uh, Derek Whitehead, and Jared McCain are, like, the only freshmen that we've had in the past decade who have shot over 40% from three, at least up to this point. So I'm I'm with Jared McCain... Gary Trent was never over forty percent from three at his time at Duke.
4: I thought he shot forty-two
3: percent. Did he at the end of the season? Check that out because I don't. I don't think he ever shot over forty percent at Duke.
4: Oh, I'm gonna check I want to say
3: he end, he ended at thirty-eight, and I don't think at any point in time he was ever over forty. Either way, if he was, he was still a great shoot. I love Gary Trent. Believe me, I love. It. But just it's it's hard for my point is it's hard for him to shoot, and I love Jeremy Kane. So I am on the. Buy. I, I, I'm on the buy. You can buy or hold with Jared. If you already have stock with Jared, just hold it. If you're if you haven't don't have any yet, buy because he's he's also going to be like Caleb, where there's going to be games where he just elevates and he his shot will fall certain games, and he's going to look like a rock star. So you can sell after that.
0: Yeah, Jack. I don't
4: know if you had a chance. Hey AC. It went to in the Kansas game. He brought it to forty point two.
0: Okay. Lord. Um, all right, so what, what do you
4: got, Jack? Are you buying, selling, holding on Jared McKay? buying on Jared. Oh, my gosh. No, nah, this is a kid who's from the West Coast. He grew up a Kobe – you know, he's a Kobe fan. He's from L.A. Um, this is a kid who you can see that in, like AC said, after the games. He's still in his uniform putting up shot after shot. He's working. He's working his ass off to get better, and, you know, the, the box score might not be there right now. Like, he's had – One or two like really standout games, but you can see it like the jump shot's consistent at this point. Like he had, you know, he had those two threes on consecutive possessions from opposite sides of the court. And I want to say that was the LaSalle game. And the the shot just looked identical, it had the same exact result on the uh, like at the hoop, like it was the same exact type of swish on the on the net and everything it was kind of crazy, but like, you know, you see he's putting that work in, he's going to be a really good player. I think by the end of January and people are not going to be like questioning his starting spot. So I think you buy on Jared and thank me later.
2: I agree. I, I think you... Go ahead. Uh, no, I, I, I was going to agree. Like, I think you buy on Jared and dare I say, I don't want to compare the two because they're different players. But we might have seen Caleb Foster's best game when it was against Michigan State. I don't think we've seen possible. I I don't think we've seen best game. I I mean, maybe maybe not. Maybe not. not. But but what I'm saying is we might have seen the best of Foster. I don't think we've we've scratched the surface of the best of McCain yet.
3: When Pablo starts combing his beard faster, you know he. <laughs> you know he's yeah. a I
2: was going to go to Ben.
3: I man. hope
0: I'm
5: I hope I'm not. Go, nah, go ahead, go ahead. Let Ben get it. I'll,
0: yeah, I'll, Ben, I'll be talk there. about Jeremy Kane first. Well, I got to,
5: I got to cool down. I'm buying. Cool down. Let Ben do it.
1: I'm, I'm buying McCain. I think he's settling into his role, and I think that's the big thing with this team: is guys settling into their role. He just hmm. seems like he's, he's doing better. I mean, he. I think it's him, and I think it's Proctor finding that comfort zone with each other, and I think they they are getting it. I'm buying. I'm buying.
0: Yeah, I, I'm buying too, and I'm giving my time uh, like they do in the Senate. You know, and just I'm I'm aligning my time over to Pablo. Go ahead, and roast.
5: Hey, I had to put the shades on. The, uh, I like you for the shades. <laughs> <laughs> He tried to blindside me with that one but uh no nah, nah, I'm buying all day. I mean shit, that ain't the that's not well. I I know it's about McCain but you know just a little bit about Foster. Like there's no way that that's going to be his best game. Um we'll see we'll see more of that. Um and we'll be lucky to have him next year to be honest with you. But uh no nah, I'm, I'm buying uh with McCain. He's uh, he's starting to you know he's he's already carved out his niche, you know, from day one with new with Duke uh but he's his shots starting to fall now. Mm-hmm. I mean he's playing good. Uh and this is exactly you know what we thought would happen. You know, what I mean he came mm-hmm. in, you know, what I mean, he's super popular, he's got the TikTok thing going on. Uh, and the kid is just a gamer, he's won at every level he's played at. Uh, he's mm-hmm. from Sacramento, by the way, Jack. But um, yep. you know, I, so I, was- I, I knew that <laughs> I knew that.
3: and with, and with McCain, real quick, Sacramento. I okay, just want to make sure yes that Sacramento that's that's my mistake. and,
4: yeah, and the one Sacramento. thing
3: with McCain the one thing with McCain is different from Foster and I think Foster's role is actually carved out. I think his role is come off the bench to be a scorer that we need. McCain's role is carved out. I, I don't unless somebody's injured, I don't see McCain's role changing. I, I, there's no there's no yeah. reason to change his role. there's no re- at this point honestly there's no reason to change <clears> anyone's <throat> role except for maybe Sean Stewart and Christian Reeves. like yep. let those two do what they do. Everybody else is, like, Ryan Young is who, is who he is. Flip is who he is. Roach is who he is. McCain is who he is. Foster is who he is. Like, we, that and that's a good place to be, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah and, sure. and so we're, we're going to wrap up the uh, the stock segment here with, uh, we just have one left, and I am going to pull an audible here from what we originally had on our list. You brought up the name. So, Ben, I'm going to give you the first chance here to buy, sell, or hold the fan favorite ryan young
1: you gotta buy him man if you bought him already you gotta hold him i mean he's not gonna be the guy who makes who's gonna get you over the hump in every game there's gonna be guys that can out talent or out ability him or whatever there's Mm -hmm. not gonna be many guys who are gonna outwork him though and he's gonna fight i mean it's not gonna be he he may miss shots, he may not put you over the edge, but it's not going to be for lack of trying. He's going to give it his all every single play, every single game. He he lays it all out there. I mean, he is a guy. You need a guy like him on your team contributing minutes. Maybe he's not the best offensive player, maybe he's not the best rebounder, but he is the hustle guy, he's the energy guy, he's a fighter. You know, people who dog him, man. Yeah, you know, just, just stay at home. Keep your opinions to yourself. Don't be hating on young. Some people were doing it. Don't don't be that guy. Okay. He 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 gives it all, man. He is fun to watch play. Uh, you know, he battles down low. That's not an easy job, even though they don't play at the four and the five like they used to back when I was watching Duke play, you know. I mean, it's not like when I was growing up the way that the four and the five were played, but that that guy is is tough. And man, you know, I I, I will not tolerate any Ryan Young hate. I won't do it. Amen. Amen. And I, I don't Amen. I
0: don't mean this to be uh, any different. From, like, but Jack. Beautiful. I mean, he's basically a penny stock at this point. So you have to buy all the Duke fans he's have already. He's a penny out. stock. All the no, nah, that's are. Are all the Duke fans. You, you fans it they've all sold. They've all sold on Ryan Young. He's a penny stock at this point. So they all you're sold on
3: Bitcoin too. He's he's Bitcoin. He's a stable coin.
0: I'll tell you right now <laughs> they, then, sold, they
2: sold. It. Yeah. I mean, they're they're basing <laughs> their judgment off the Arizona game, and that's not fair. He's played great.
0: Yeah, I, I think they, right, let me just start here. Is anybody not buying on Ryan Young? Nope. All right, so we can move on. Bye. Uh, I'm just going nah. to get that one in there. But uh, I, I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to say. you got to respect
4: there. Coach Ryan. Respect the Ryan MCA basketball. Come on now. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling He's you right
3: The Ryan Young threes are coming. I promise you that. Like, a couple of them. It's coming. He took he, I'm telling uh, you. AC. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. with that. I'm, I'm never going to give it up, and I'll and when it ha- I don't care. I don't care. I'll be wrong. I'll be wrong. He'll never hit another one all season. I'll be wrong. But when he does, I'm throwing it to all, y'all. I don't care. I'm putting everybody's face. I'm putting everybody's face. I don't care. I'm going to get a T-shirt. I'm going to have a T-shirt with the Ryan Young sniper on it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't I'm care. Looking for, I'm
0: looking forward to that state dinner that I will be owed at the end of the year. Um, okay, so let's wrap this one up. Let's, uh, let's wrap this one up, talk about the, uh, the Arkansas. Arkansas game, of course, it's the late game on Wednesday night, 9-15. So, you know the Carolina-Tennessee game is going to run long. That's just what's sure. going to happen. So, we're not going to – Put your money on the overtime. Yeah, put right double – Oh, yeah. Overtime. I, already,
3: I already have.
0: Yeah, you might as well. So, hopefully, we can watch it on, what? you know, whatever it is, ESPN3, ACC Network Extra, where we see the same three commercials every single time. Talk about Arkansas. We've actually all seen them play when they were down at the uh, the Bahamas tournament. They did play UNC. I don't think they're that good, AC. But kind to break them down?
3: No, they're not that good. And, and they they were pre, like look preseason polls are what they are, but they are well researched by some of you know the, the people out there. And they were preseason number six or seven in the SEC this season. Like. And, and I even said it, like, this is a game I'm looking forward to because it's first, Duke's first road game. Road games are what they are. But, I mean, Ar- Arkansas has some good was – it, was it Tremont Mark or was it Brazil who got hurt? I think it was Mark, right? Mark. Mark. It was Mark. Yeah, Mark Mark got hurt. So, it'll be interesting to see if he actually plays this game. I mean, the guy was in the hospital. He made the
5: trip back. I doubt if he plays.
3: Yeah, it'll be doubtful if he plays. And, and that's their best player. Like, 18 points a game, that's their best guy. Um, But they have a big guard rotation. Uh, L. Ellis is not bought into Eric Musselman's program whatsoever right now. He is angry on the floor. He is not happy, and and it is clear. So as good as Bud Walton Arena can be, and and they will be from the start, if John just goes, if he says, go play, if he says, go do your thing, this is not, I, I don't care what the rotation is. I don't care what sets we run. Go do what you do, my best five. If he does that, we're going to run them out of the building off the start. And this should be a double-digit win. So give me – and I'll go ahead and give you score prediction. now. Give me Duke on the road. We'll shoot less than what we normally will. So give me Duke 79. Give me Arkansas
5: 62.
0: Wow. Coach uh, P, what do you got here?
5: Uh, Obviously, I got us winning. I think uh, the game would be a lot closer than what AC said. Uh <laughs> Um, you know, just some keys to the game, man, like uh you know arkansas they have a like you said he got they got a big guard rotation um they seem to be they almost it almost looks like Arkansas is fighting against each other when you watch them play, yep, like yep, they're like, hey, you shoot the ball, they're like, nah, I'll take the ball this time and shoot it, and they just don't they just don't understand what's going on, but I'll tell you this all that shit is going to go out the window and they're going to play like world beaters against fucking Duke. I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that they might, that they, they, might. Fig- they figure it out. Yeah. They they, I, they, they might figure it out. Um, I think one of the keys to the game though, I think Mark Mitchell would be very, very key. Uh, if he can keep uh, Trayvon Brazil uh, in check, yep. keep him off the glass and be a, a presence on offense to, to kind of draw him away from the basket. Cause he's really good at a weak side shot blocking. And he's right. a really good defender. If we could keep him away from a uh, flip, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. So I got Duke. Um, I think we win this 71-65. Pablo, is it fair to say
3: that Brazil is like – he he's Keyshad Johnson, but there's no other help, if that makes sense. He's Keyshaud, and there's no other center to help him and draw attention. Like Keyshaud yeah. could sit back and you could put the other center on Flip. Like Flip is going to eat this game because un- yeah. unless brazil is on him and if brazil is on him then mark needs to throw away the three-point shot because your three-point shot is terrible throw it away yeah. and get inside and get us two-point shots because otherwise if we play into their hand their hand is going to be force us to shoot threes it is it is
0: yeah and if so. we play into
3: their hand then we're, we're toast but I, I don't think we're gonna do that because we saw so. us force you saw us force the interior the last two games in that mte that we just had
5: so you'll see uh, there'll be there's definitely going to be times just for, you know, just cross matchups and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times that uh, Brazil, you know, who probably is their best overall, yeah. their best defender. Um, uh, but I think that they're going to start Makai Mitchell on flip. The good thing about, yep. you know, flip uh, having Makai Mitchell on him is that Makai Mitchell is severely foul prone. He's the type he's of guy going to that foul out in the three, first half. three fouls in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that's Flip's advantage. You know what I mean? He's he doesn't need to outmuscle him, but he can, you know, he can use his uh, perimeter abilities to, you know, just go around him and score on him or whatever. But I mean, there's gonna be a lot of times that they're gonna stick Brazil on uh mm-hmm. that they're gonna stick Brazil on flip and uh you know Brazil he can he can hang mm-hmm. with flip and be honest with you. He can he can he hang can. with flip if he's on the perimeter or if it's in the post. So uh
0: as and that's why Mark can't
5: flip and we mm-hmm. get flipped, and we don't get, if we don't, if flip isn't in foul trouble, we win this game easily. If flip gets in foul mm-hmm. trouble, it can, it can be a long game. Right. All right,
0: Jack, what do you got for a prediction here? i are just
4: gonna get right into that. 78 uh, 69, which uh, is the score of coach K's last win, which was against Arkansas. Um, hmm. I think Duke wins. I think it is a decently close game for a while. And then Jeremy Roach. I feel like this is a Jeremy game for some reason.
2: I agree. I think uh, he's going to take over.
4: I think he's going to take over down the stretch. He's going to give Duke the separation at the end. And it's going to be a close to double digit, if not double digit win for Duke.
0: D what do you got?
2: No, basically what Jack said, I, I was just waiting to say, this is Jeremy Roach coming out party this season. He's going to go crazy against Arkansas. I just, have it, a feeling um <clears throat> you know my magic's number is 80 so I'm gonna go 81 I think it's gonna be a lot closer than you guys I don't think it's gonna be quite double digits I think they pull away at the free throw line I'm gonna go 81 73
0: all right 81 73 then we'll wrap it up with you give us a prediction for uh for Wednesday night against Arkansas
1: I'm not gonna give you a score number I'm terrible at that when it comes to basketball. Oh <laughs> yeah, we're,
0: we're not wizards over here.
1: All right, well,
3: give, give us the fo- give us the football version.
1: Okay, what I'm gonna say is that <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm I'm gonna take the Blue Devils to beat the Razorbacks by somewhere between five to nine points. Uh, could be more than that, depending on if they foul late and then the game gets a little out of hand, meaning Arkansas fouls late. Muscleman will rip off his shirt at some point when he gets teed. <laughs> Let's, on go. Let's go. So I think that's going to happen. But I'm taking the Blue Devils, man. And I like the idea of Roach just taking that over, but it would not surprise me if Mitchell just starts clearing up a bunch of stuff in the paint, getting rebounds, putbacks, things like that. I could see that happening too. You know, Mitchell's got that toughness about him. I and mean, He's a fighter, and this could be a game where they need it. But that's my prediction.
0: There we go. Uh, I got Duke in this one, 79, 74. Little little uh, lower scoring and a little a bit closer than some of you guys have. But if we're going to, you know, call out some of the uh, players that we expect, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm saying Tyrese Proctor, give me 20, give me 8. Uh, Locked up Ellis or whoever else he's matched up with. So let, let's go, Duke. Yeah. Let's um, L- 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 Wednesday night, nine fifteen p.m. ESPN. Ben Bird, man, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yes, Salute, thank bro. you guys.
1: Thank you, you. thank you, thank you so much.
3: Ben, I appreciate it. Where where can we find you, Ben? Where where can we find you and in, and interact? In
1: uh hit me up on Twitter at Duke FB coverage. I had a what I thought was a hilarious series of possibilities for people to take over for Elko today. Uh and you can also go to, go to <laughs> what, about, what about Coach great.
0: Prime? What about Coach Prime? Can Coach Prime come to Duke?
1: Yeah, uh, let's go. I mean anybody can take a plane trip here, but uh yeah. I, don't, I don't see Overnight. that. <laughs> But I, I think you yeah, check us out at our website bullcitycoordinators.com. Uh, we've got, if you like, some uh, me and my friend Tim. We've got some old time mountain music tunes up there too, occasionally that you can check out. We put some recordings up there. So, but check us out nice. and interact and and go Duke.
0: Go Duke. Go Duke. Go Duke. Go Duke. Go Duke. Coming on, man. Uh, let's get it done. We're in full on basketball season now, so let's get this W. Let's start setting the tone for the rest of the year. Let's get a couple more. Wrap, them up, the wrap them up. Out wrap them up.
3: Let's go Duke. We're eating bacon, baby. Duke. Wednesday. Let's go. <laughs> let's go Duke.